The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, warm greetings to everyone. And um, today I'm going to mark the 40th anniversary of having, having been ordained as a Zen priest. So it's a little pause in our series on Satipatthana. And um, and uh, it's a, I feel very kind of fortunate to, certainly to reach this 40th anniversary and spent these 40 years in the Dharma, and practicing and teaching. But also... Um, the fact that uh, I'm here at Insight Retreat Center is also very special. That this also is a, a part of the wonderful Dharma life that I've been able to uh, be graced by or blessed by. That to have this wonderful retreat center that uh, to practice in and be on retreat in and to teach in to to be able to open the doors of the center to so many people to come and practice here. And then coincidentally, um, this uh, the reason I'm here is that we have a two-day retreat for uh, our teacher training. IMC started its very own uh, teacher training back in April. And... Um, in the past, people who got trained in our tradition uh, kind of got trained through Spirit Rock or Inside Meditation Center. And, and so here, we started our own training for 15 people. And, uh, and it's kind of special to kind of a culmination of 40 years of Dharma practice, more than, more than 40 years, 45 years or more, that uh, come to the wonderful circumstance of training others to be full teachers. And uh, so all this came together, being at IRC, my anniversary of my ordination, and and uh, this, uh, teacher training that I feel so fortunate to be able to do. So I wanted to mark it. So 40 years ago, I was ordained with two other uh, Zen uh, students, uh, Victoria Austin and Gary McNabb. And uh, I felt very fortunate to know them both, and um, both of them dedicated their life to um, the practice, for them, in their case, Zen practice, and and the life of uh, what became a priest. And I say became because uh, at the San Francisco Zen Center where I was ordained at, uh, at the time of my ordination, it was called a monk ordination. And the word monk being used both for male and female. And uh, so a monastic ordination. And that's what I... Uh, what was thought I was doing was uh, ordaining as a monk, and I knew that it was you know there was a track to become a teacher someday, but uh, th- there were so many other pr- uh, monks, priests, ordained people at Zen Center when I was there that I calculated that um, it'd be something like twenty five years before it would be my turn to move up into even just the very beginning uh, teaching roles or to be trained as a teacher. But I wasn't. I wasn't being ordained to be a teacher. I was ordained to be a monk. And to my surprise, a few months after I was ordained, the abbot um, 
decided that the, to stop calling the ordination a monk ordination, monastic ordination, but rather a priest ordination. And uh, maybe partly because in um, traditionally in Buddhism, monastics are celibate, and in Japanese Soto Zen, uh, there's no rule of celibacy, so there can be marriage and and uh, sexual relationships. And uh, maybe that's one of the reasons, but also um, uh, there's a way in which the Zen priest is a life, it's a little bit of life that's in the world um, in all kinds of ways and uh, participating in uh, all the different aspects of life and in a way that sometimes uh, traditional bhikkhus, monastics, hold themselves a little bit apart from the world and um, participating in, like a small example would be that monastics are not allowed to marry people and Zen priests are. So it kind of represents a little bit that, that distinction. And, um, but what it represents for me, this uh, ordination, and is that um, one of the things is that every time that I, uh, in my life, in my adult life, where I chose the Dharma, uh, chose the Dharma practice over any other possibilities, that uh, it always worked out fantastically, wonderfully. I could never have imagined how well it was going to work out. And, uh, and um, there were even times where I had almost no money and living a poor life and, and um, as a practitioner. And um, where I thought the reasonable thing to do was to go find work. And, uh, and, but I said, no, no, I, you know, even had a job lined up once. And then I said, nope, uh, that's not what I'm dedicated to. My life is dedicated to the practice and, and uh, come what may, that's what I'm going to do. And, um, so, and then periodically, you know, it just became clear that this Dharma path was opening up in front of me. The decision to become a monastic, to be ordained, uh, wasn't exactly a conscious decision uh, or a reasoned decision. I was sitting um, at the mon- Zen monastery looking at the creek that runs through it and um, reflecting about my life and what I should do with it and what direction to go. And um, <clears throat> and there was like uh, lightning went through my body and suddenly I just knew that I was going to be ordained. And generally, I'm a person who does things for reasons, and uh, kind of a re- rational person, perhaps tried to be or something. And um, and so then um, afterwards, I thought of reasons uh, for that, and the reasons were sincere, but the 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 decision was not reasoned. It was just a, a deep knowing. Like suddenly, I just knew that this is what I was doing. And the, one of the reasons I'd, I uh, gave myself was uh, had uh, was that um, I wanted to live a life that responded responded to the suffering of the world at the deepest place of suffering. And the only thing that I knew in life up until that point that somehow was able to touch the deepest places of suffering in myself and in other people was Buddhist practice. I didn't necessarily think that that was the only way to do it. But that's the only thing that I knew. And uh, I wanted to dedicate my life to responding to suffering at its deepest level. Um, I, I was going to go uh, back to, uh, gra- to go to graduate school, uh, 
to study soil conservation. And uh, I wanted to go support and help the world by, you know, uh, doing uh, er erosion control in different places in the world where there's a real serious problem. And, um, but I felt that somehow uh, there was something inside of me that as important as that work would, would have been, uh, it wouldn't have reached into the depth of the human heart to where suffering really lies at the core. And I didn't know if I'd be effective as a someone who somehow touched that in people or supported people to, but I wanted to be in an environment that that's what the environment is for and just support it. And my image of my long-term image of myself with uh, as a Zen priest was uh, to have a little neighborhood um, storefront meditation center, uh, just a little, maybe a one-room storefront kind of thing. And uh, my job was to open, have the key, keep the place clean, and open up and allow people to come and meditate. And um, that was, a, you know, that was kind of, I wasn't much more thoughtful about what I was going to do in the long term than doing that. But then I had this wonderful life of um, things just kept unfolding after I was ordained. And um, even things that were uh, tragic for many people uh, uh, somehow kept opening up to, uh, you know, going further and further in, in the practice. I mean, the tr one of the tragic thing was that the abbot of the, of the Zen Center had an abbot's uh, ethical scandal, and uh, he left, and it was devastating to many people. But uh, it, I was invited by someone to go to Japan, and and um, my father, actually, he was uh, working in Japan. He said, "When you want to come to Japan, and and uh, just coincident, co it was coincidental with this uh, the abbot leaving." And I said, "Oh, sure, <laughs> I'd like to continue my Zen training in Japan." And and so then I went to Japan for a while. But in order to stay in Japan, I had to go to Thailand to get a new visa. And in Thailand, I discovered this practice we do here, vipassana practice, and that opened up wonderfully for me. And I, I, then it continued for a while. This dual track of both Zen and Vipassana. And, and that's still a dual track. Um, and um, the Zen is very important for me still. Uh, it's a kind of orientation or provides kind of a fundamental, I don't know, religious orientation for myself. And, um, and it's an orientation of participation in the world, of uh, being fully present in this world, uh, practicing in the world. And, and uh, as a place to be free. And then uh, the Vipassana practice is equally deep and valuable for me. And, um, <clears throat> and that is a practice of um, um, deconstructing the world in a very deep way to discover the deeper uh, potential capacities we have for freedom. And this wonderful synergy of these two, of uh, Vipassana allowing for a, really a depth of deconstruction, of seeing through the, the conditional world, the conditioned world that we live in, and the constructed world, and really open up to greater and greater p capacities for freedom. And then in Zen, learning participation, learning to give yourself to the world, be, enter the world, and... and uh, participate with that freedom. One of the 
teachings or ideas in Zen that was very um, influential on me was the idea that um, uh, we express our practice, that practice, our understanding, the depth of our practice within us, how we mature in the practice, is something not just to kind of be in enlightened retirement, but it's something that is expressed or enacted. Or um, the, uh, There was this uh, person many years ago who um, heard all these Buddhists kept talking about practice, 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 practice. What kind of practice do you do? I'm going to a retreat to practice. I'm practicing. The word practice is used very, very quickly and a lot in our scene. And the person heard all this and he said, um, you guys, all, all you ever talk about is practicing. When's the performance? And um, so Zen, the idea that it's, you're, you're, you live the life of the performance. So it's how you enact, how you express your understanding that um, is the fulfillment of it. And, um, and, uh, and for me, the, um, so the combination that the Vipassana teaching freedom and Zen teaching uh, living that in our life, that's a, a dual, and uh, that for me, that was these dual tracks that were so important. And uh, it's not inherent that one is just one way and one is the other way. It's just that's the way that these two lessons came through to me. And I'm very grateful for it. And um, I feel so fortunate to be able to live this Dharma life and and uh, find my practice in everything I do. And, uh, you know, so I have this fortune of being able to teach, like teach here to, uh, to all of you on YouTube. And uh, which is a kind of little bit of a manifestation of my practice, but it comes around is that it's also the place that I, when I'm teaching, it's also the place where I practice. It isn't that this is only an expression of whatever practice I have, but it also I see it as this is the location the, for practice when I'm teaching. So I'm tracking myself and noticing what's happening inside of me and my thoughts, my feelings, my body, um, kind of being present for the whole show so that um, so that it is a practice, I'm tracking myself and mindful of what's happening so that um, I keep discovering um, more freedom or more depth or more fullness, more participation, more getting out of the way of this life. So... Um, and someone I saw in the chat earlier asked me for my what my Zen name is, my ordination name. It um, in Japanese, it's a, uh, it's a you know Japanese name, uh, Ryuge Kojun, spelled R Y U G E. That's one word, and the second word is Kojun, K O J U N. And um, the way that the the abbot who gave me the name, he um, translated as um, a, a dragon tusk, sunlight revere. And um, so one of those names is supposed to represent how you are when you're ordained, and the other is supposed to represent your potential, what you can become. So I don't know which is which, um, but uh, it's kind of a little bit of a nice, hopefully nice uh, pairing, these two words, 
ideas. Dragon tusk sounds a little bit ferocious, and um, so I, maybe I'm a little bit dangerous. And uh, but then the sunlight revere, and um, so that that was the name I was given, and um, my Pali name. I you know you get lots of names in Buddhism sometimes, and um, my Pali name for this in the Theravada the Vipassana world where I teach is uh, Dhammadasa. And that means servant of the Dharma. So both the Zen ordination and being a Zen priest and being a Vipassana teacher and practitioner, I feel very much that I'm a servant for the Dharma. And uh, I love serving it and supporting it and letting it grow in our hearts and, and spreading across the lands. So thank you. So then tomorrow I'll be back at IMC and we'll continue with the Satipatthana.